Hi, everyone. Welcome to Resourceful Humans. I'm your host, Corey Haber, and today I have with me Bob and Sheila, and they're going to speak to what it's like to transition into HR, why should someone or how to do so. I know that a lot of people don't initially start out in the HR world, and then they end up moving into it. So I'm really excited for them to tell you their stories and and hopefully some helpful tips too for some of you that are looking into making that transition. Thanks for coming on today, you guys. I'm happy to have We're you. having us, uh, Corey. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad. And so, so go ahead, tell us, you know, so many people do start out in other careers and then they later on decide they want to be in HR. That That's a good transition move for them career-wise. And if someone is interested in moving into HR, what are your tips and suggestions in getting that process started? But before that, tell us your stories, because I know you both have that transition story that you could tell. Yeah, I, um, I was an accounting and psychology major undergraduate. Um, loved the study of accounting, loved the mental gymnastics of it. Um, and and um, so started my career in, in public accounting uh, as an auditor. Um, decided that even though I love the, the number side of it, didn't really like being an auditor, consequently wasn't very good at it. Um, so I would constantly look for ways to do something different. Uh, and for me, being doing something different was, uh, you know, I, I liked what the, it was called personnel then, uh, but what the human resource people were doing um, I, I always enjoyed the people that uh, uh, on campus, the recruiters that I was talking with and, and thought that that'd be kind of an interesting uh, thing. So whenever there was an opportunity for me to volunteer to go to a college relations activity or help out uh, when they were recruiting or, you know, whatever, um, you know, I was the first one there volunteering uh, for that. Also did things for them and just the human resource function uh, outside of recruiting the, you know, they had a United Way program and I, I volunteered to be the chairman of that and, you know, just different things that put me in, in touch with uh, uh, what they were doing in the human resources side. Uh, one day, um, the human resource person, uh, his name was Barry, he came out, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Bob, we, ha we have a problem. Uh, can you come into my office? And Sheila, I don't know if this is your experience, but my experience is when the human resource guy makes that kind of statement, that's typically not, not good, good news. Not good. So, so, so I literally, I mean, I was looking around for a box, thinking I'm going to have to throw <laughs> my stuff uh, uh, in and because and, I thought I was going to get fired that day. I go into Barry's office and, uh, and he starts telling me about, you know, their plans for uh, hiring audit people and tax people and what their brand was going to be and, and, and so forth. And, and, and I finally said, Barry, this is all really interesting stuff. Well, what does this have to do with that you're going to fire me? And he said, fire you. And he said, I'm going to give you the opportunity to work on our re uh, recruiting function. Uh, and literally, that's what launched me in my career uh, in human resources and, and, and never uh, um, went back from that. So that's kind of my story. Sheila. Yeah, and I think as stories tend to be, mine is probably as different as completely different from yours in that I actually was in residential real estate for almost six years, was a top producing agent in one of the top producing Century 21 offices worldwide. 
and about four years in had this really serious what why am I doing this and, and I really didn't know what to do with that because the income was so good um, but you know after a couple more years of feeling that way you think I really really have got to do something different I needed to be in a collaborative work environment and building a real estate team really is not that and so um, I did, I actually took a career assessment that my, my daughter's high school guidance counselor shot home a video of. And, and I actually literally, I was staring at this video with all these very young faces on it, thinking, um, gosh, that'd be great for my son to take. My son, and, it, and as I was watching it one more time and looking to see if it was a fit for him, I thought, I wonder if I can take it. And I actually ended up taking, I was able to take it. It was age irrelevant, took the, took the profile, and then had honestly 23 top fits. And it was kind of a beautiful assessment in that it gave um, a day in the life of, and I did look to see if they were accurate in real estate, and they were, so I had to think that maybe they were accurate in some of the others. They had a 10-year projected job growth rate, both in my state, which is Texas, as well as across the nation. And so I was able to look at it from that perspective, as well as um, salary, projected salary with that. And so I began to whittle some of those things away just by life experience. I mean, some of it I'd done and said, I've been there, done that, don't need to do that again. Some of it was by salary. I was able to whittle that away. Some of it was the day in the life of, you know, I'm in the season and quite frankly, I don't want this responsibility or, you know, this sounds much more interesting to me, but I really honed in on HR um, because one, because of the people component, two, because of the strategy component, and then three, it just had the potential to get a little bit closer to where I had been income wise, where I'm willing to stay in it for a long period of time. And there's one other piece I almost didn't mention. So I have an English degree, and, and I, which means I laugh. It just means I really write really good thank you notes is what that means. But, you know, what are you going to do with that X number of years out? What are you going to do with an English degree? Nothing. The same thing you would do with it when you graduated, right, other than teach. And so I, um, it was the one, it was one field where I could, in a certification was valued over a degree. I'm not saying a degree is not valuable at all, but the certification was valued. And so I thought, you know, I can, I can do something in regards to that and not necessarily have to go in and get a degree because I have two others. One started college this year. One will be starting college next year. We didn't need three college tuitions coming in every <laughs> semester. I'm with you. I understand that completely. You know, uh, uh, Sheila, I'm sure you have gotten this uh, already. You know, I ask oftentimes, um, you know, about careers and human resources, and 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 when I ask them back, okay, what, why do you want to get into human resources? And um, I would say some very high percentage of the time, uh, I'll hear back, well, it's because I like people, and uh, and though I think that that's a very good characteristic to have. Um, it's been my experience that that's not the only characteristic or skill that you need to have to be successful in a career in human resources. Um, I believe that, um, well, I know I do as much financial analysis today as what I did when, when I was, uh, was an auditor. So understanding numbers, or at least understanding the principles behind numbers, I think is a, is a very important in, in today's uh, environment. 
I think second, that um, you have to have a, a business acumen. You have to understand how your company makes money so that you can help understand how you can take the people side of it and overlay it on that, how they make money to enhance whatever it is that they're doing so that they can make more money in, in, sure. in terms of that. And, and I think that the, uh, uh, the, the, the third skill besides, uh, uh, you know, liking people uh, is your ability. You, oftentimes uh, you have to have um, almost a legal capacity. Uh, there are a lot of uh, human resource people at my level that in fact have gone back and, and picked up law degrees mm -hmm. because today's environment, certainly in the employee relations area, certainly in the benefits uh, area, is a very complex uh, area. And, um, and if you don't have that kind of ability to process that information and the situations in a, in a fairly legalistic and structured fashion, I think it's going to be more challenging to you. What do you think, Sheila? No, I agree with those things wholeheartedly. Um, you know, one of the things that, and I, I won't keep going back to real estate, but but everything is changing constantly, and certainly rules and regulations. And so that I think that applies probably to any facet of business. And you know, what is it? Data driven pe people focus. Data driven is that fair to say? And yeah. so. The same thing, you know, people get into something because they feel a certain way. Well, if you get enough of that thing and you get the reality of it, it's not so necessarily yeah. fun or, or pleasant anymore. So there has to be much, you do get to engage with people, but there does have to definitely be more than that. Yeah. I have, uh, I do a podcast, not as well as Corey does, but I do a podcast that, uh, called People in Transition. And, uh, and, and one of the things I've, I've, I've had to, a few uh, individuals that have been transitioning from different careers, um, and uh, and I had one on one episode not too long ago that went from uh, fashion merchandising into a career in HR, and uh, and I'd be curious, um, Sheila, your thoughts on this. Um, you can either, as I did, I started my career in major metropolitan areas with major companies and spent periods of time, significant periods of time in each of what I would call the silos. So I did recruiting for several years mm -hmm. and had a steady diet of that. I did compensation and did a steady diet of that. I did employee relations and, and so forth versus going, and, and, and I think it's easier to do maybe in not so major metropolitan areas. I'm not saying that you can't do it in metropolitan areas, but I think it's easier to find a small, medium-sized company where you have to wear the hat, all the hats, yeah. and you're a true generalist in, in terms of that. Those are two, I think, very different kinds of, of career paths. They can end up at the same place over mm -hmm. a period of time, um, but I've had that question asked of me uh, by those people that are making that kind of transition into HR. I'd be curious, Sheila, your thoughts in terms of being that more generalist at the beginning sure. or being more specialized. Well, and I'm in a major metropolitan area as well. And so with that, I mean, there's a level of sophistication in business when you are in those type of spaces. What I will say 
I did when I when I narrowed it down to HR. I actually have a friend who was the former CHRO of a Fortune 500 organization, and so I reached out to him and said, "Can we talk?" And so we met a couple of times, and he said, "You're absolutely in the right space." And I can tell you from day one, his heartbeat for me was, "I would love to see you in a small to mid-sized organization because your gifts, strengths, and talents will be utilized there." from the start where you won't necessarily have that opportunity in a larger organization. And so I actually did, um, my first role was in a large organization and, and I didn't have as much responsibility, but because there was such a large learning curve, I had plenty, I had plenty of responsibility. I was actually handling contracts and working with legal and, and part of that severance process that was, I owned the severance process and there was plenty to learn in that. But um, I, I couldn't, I, I have, you know, you just have conversations and I always say it's who you know, as far as getting your next job, who do you know? And so for me, I just, I never got to the conversation where it was the small business owner who said, I have a need right now and you are that person. And I couldn't find that. I'm, I think I'm stepping into that right now. I'll know a little bit more soon. But initially, that wasn't an option for me. And I was really grateful to have a little taste of an experience like you, Bob, where I got to go a little bit deeper in one space. Well, you know, I didn't uh, start my uh, uh, HR graduate uh, program. I think I was mm, 12 years into uh, uh, my career. Uh, and I had already done kind of four of the major functional areas by that time. And... Um, and I was a much better graduate student because of that depth that I had in, in those areas. Um, and, and I probably got more out of my graduate uh, program because I had that, uh, that depth. Again, after a period of time, I merged back into a more generalist role. Um, but there, there are two very distinct uh, kind of paths and uh, when I'm asked in, in terms of it, uh, um, I'm, I'm a little bit torn because they, they both have, you know, such richness in, in terms of, of the, the experience. Well, and I will say the question that everybody was asking me is, well, what in HR would you like to do? And what I could say is the one thing I don't want to do is talent acquisition. <laughs> I, I have nothing against talent acquisition. I mean, it's, it's vital. Um, but one, it is just, it's real estate in a different dress. And so... Um, the product, you're just buying a different product is all. Uh, <laughs> selling a different, selling a different product. That's so funny, because if I moved into HR ever, I'd want to be in the benefits part of HR. So that's, there that's you go. Well, people like you, Corey, do make the transition. I've hired people mm -hmm. like you from more that uh, benefits uh, side to come in and, and do that. And, and... Yeah. You raise a very interesting point because, you know, lots of times people don't understand, as Sheila has described, how what they were doing translates, translates into what we do from an HR standpoint. It, it, it's just called something different in other functional areas, but you're still doing some of those HR kinds of duties and responsibilities. And all you have to do is find a manager who understands that those data points that you've been dealing with in real estate can translate to very similar data points that you deal with uh, from an HR standpoint. You, 
you still have people, you still have the uh, businesses, you still have financial issues, you still have records. Those are all things that are a part of a career in HR. And if you find someone that can understand that, how that they translate over there, I, I find that they make a, a great, um, um, great match. I think it's very interesting. I, I have a lot of people at my level that are HR executives that are moving into operations. Uh, <laughs> really? and, and, if you, and if you think about that, if it's doable to move from an HR executive oh. position to an operations executive, why couldn't you move from an operations position into an HR position? So True. I think they're very transferable. I agree, I agree. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Sheila. You were telling us you don't wanna do talent acquisitions, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, you didn't cut me off. I, I didn't. And so, you know, the other thing that I was told was just keep, keep your options open. And so very much have done that. You know, my heartbeat would probably be an more of an employee. If I, if I looked at the full employee life cycle, really my goal is to get out there and educate myself um, because I have such a gap as far as HR knowledge. I hadn't been sitting in an operations type position to where I was involved with those HR type conversations. So I had a huge gap. And um, in that, you know, the first thing was take a look at the employee life cycle from attraction to separation and what appeals to me. What I can tell you, I mean, you know, go through life enough and you know enough people, you know that work is either really a positive thing or it's I'm just making it or it's miserable. And so if I could do anything in any way, shape or form to touch culture and speak to culture, then I knew that that was my heartbeat. But again, you just show up and, and you're willing to do the work that's put in front of you and you do that, except for talent attraction, <laughs> talent acquisition. Honey, I, uh, tomorrow on my, uh, uh, my episode of uh, uh, People in Transition, I have a, a, a gentleman that uh, his company deals with, you know, kind of the importance of culture and how do you do that and, and uh, um, and, and you're exactly right. I mean, I, th there is nothing more satisfying, I think, uh, especially if you go, uh, you know, into an organization that is a little bit struggling with trying to mm -hmm. define themselves and trying to define what that culture is and being a part of the leadership team that helps put that definition in place. And then what you need to do is to ensure that that you have threads of those values and, and that culture in all of the areas. So in talent acquisition, in performance management, in promotions, in the, uh, communications, so that it by its sheer inertia, that, that culture, those values go, go forward. So I'm really looking forward to talking with this guy tomorrow about uh, uh, how you, you know, how he has seen that uh, done. But I think you've picked a really an interesting part of the HR uh, field to have an interest in. I um, I want to go back to something you said, Bob, about um, gosh, it just escaped me. My apologies. Well, I I've said so many things, <laughs> Sheila. So it's, uh, It'll come back. No problem whatsoever. It will. You you. No you did say something though that I think is really important uh, and to talk about certifications. So yes. you don't have to have a degree um, in, in uh, a graduate degree in HR. 
um, there are certification programs that you can take a part, uh, uh, take part in, and uh, and and I think get a very good grounding of some of the HR basic kinds of things. And I know a lot of organizations that without that certification program, uh, it's going to be very difficult for Correct. someone to come in. Uh, have you found that as well? You know, that was one of the things, because that's all I need to do. If you don't have the degree to back it, then you go get a certification. And that was just my, that's just how the world works. And yep. so what could I do without having the experience? Because in HR, it's a two years minimum experience before you can go sit for the SHRM or the PHR exams. And, um, but they actually have a new certification, the Associate Professional in Human Resources, and it is foundational HR knowledge. It is not experience-based. And I will say, it is one of those things, I just did it so that I could have some letters after my name that would at yep. least be something. What I didn't know is the value that it would bring because I really was able to go in and speak the lingo. And when I experienced a warn notification and it was this organization's first warn notification um, to do, I thought, I know what that is. Nobody has to yeah. explain that to me. Yeah, so yeah. it was, um, that was one of the, the time and the money put towards it. I was very grateful that I had done. Um, I'm not saying that I won't ever go in, go back and get a master's because I quite frankly would love to have an MBA. Um, at some point in my life, whether I will or won't, I don't know, but I definitely do know that two years time, I will be sitting for one of the exams, one of those professional exams. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the people that, uh, that I have recruited throughout my career, um, I hold that, that certification um, in, in very high regard. Um, and, and so I think you did the right and you did something else really um, uh, smart, uh, and I always uh, counsel uh, people that are thinking about careers uh, in HR, or quite frankly, in any functional area. Uh, you sought out um, senior people uh, in HR world and talked with them. Uh, and I think that that is really invaluable. And, and I try as much as I can, as much as my schedule will allow, uh, for when, when someone that is thinking about a career um, and, and they reach out to me to try to help in terms of answering those questions and, and describing what the kind of a, a day, a week, a year in the life of an HR professional is like so that they can have some context in, in terms of their, their interest on that. So Sheila, I thought that was a, a, a great idea on your part. Thank you. You know, the other thing that I recognize now standing on this side of it and what I was told in the beginning is you need to be building your network. You need to be building your network. And what I didn't really quite understand at that point was HR can be a little bit of a lone ranger. And again, depending on your circumstances where you are, but be building your network because you're going to have things come up that you have never encountered before and you want to be able at a moment's notice to go, you know, I don't have the answer to that, but I can find an answer for you. And so in a very short period of time, I built a network of some very high level, uh, executive level, large organization, uh, profession, HR professionals. And so um, I'm grateful for that to this day. They, I can text any one of them at any time and get a response very quickly. I think it's vital. Yeah, you're 100% you're correct. I have a, a fairly junior person 
who is uh, um, our, our HR person for our farm. And, and she's still just a couple of years out uh, uh, in her career. And we're doing goal setting right now. And one of the goals that I set uh, for her for next year is, is to find you know, four other HR professionals uh, within the area and establish that, uh, uh, that, that relationship uh, with them so that she can do exactly what uh, you're talking about. I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I can tell you what, I probably have one of the larger networks of contacts. And if I haven't done it, one so of them surely has. has. And, uh, and, and I have no problem in terms of borrowing from them shamelessly, <laughs> putting my spin on it uh, in, in terms of my world uh, to, to solve the, uh, the issue. So you're 100% you're correct. So I'm just gonna jump in real quick here because from someone's perspective, if someone is, and I'll, I'll be that someone on the other end listening to this, if you're looking in to moving into HR, it sounds to me like the best first step would be to, to grow your network, get some good top-notch connections that are in the HR world right now. Then the next step would be to, you know, really talk to them and get an idea of what each sector of HR is about. And then next would be to get that some sort of certification, correct? That's what I'm, what's, that's what I've gathered so far. Those are the best first steps to getting into it. And that's yeah, my, my only little asterisk change to that might be at the very beginning to, to really, and, and I think Sheila did a good job because she did this uh, personal assessment. I think it's very important that you understand whether it's HR or anyplace else, why is it that you're getting into this? And do I have the, 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 uh, um, the skill sets and the personality um, needed for that, uh, that kind of roles? Um, because unless you've done that, I think that, uh, that, that good self-assessment, you could be going down a path that, that you might not find the level of satisfaction that you're looking for. Okay, then let's add that in there to the steps. I think that's that's very good. That's smart. Yeah, I, I agree whole. Yeah, I agree wholehearted with wholeheartedly with you, Bob. Corey, the thing that I think that I would um, emphasize on is what I was going in and doing was just having conversations. You know, I can read about you on LinkedIn and see where you've been, but let me hear the stories about your career. And so that's truly what I was doing was just tell me your story. Um, do you have any recommendations for me? Essentially what you're doing here right now, um, just talking, having conversations. Well, that's yeah, the good thing I think about uh, um, a career in HR you know, I've, I've been in uh, uh, nine industries uh, uh, in my entire career, and they are very different industries, each one of them. Um, and, and I think that HR is a very transferable in, in mm -hmm. terms of, uh, of what we do. Again, I come back to if you have good business skills and understand, you know, that company and, and what they're you know, what their plan is, what their um, uh, business plan is. And then you can take your prior experiences and think in terms of how those HR levers, you know, whether it's talent acquisition or lawyer relations or development or whatever, how can those levers help that company uh, achieve success in their business plan? 
Um, there are not many other functional areas that are as easy transferable into other industries as, as HR is. There are some, but not many of them. That's true, that's true. And you know what I've also noticed is another transition that just from what I do day to day, it seems to be very popular transition to move within HR, not just moving from one completely different industry or career into the HR um, role. But a lot of people I've noticed they move from one area of HR to another area of HR and they move to a different area until they find one that they like. So there's a lot of transition within that HR area as well. And I know that, you know, our focus here was more so how to move into it, but I think it's also for people important for people that are looking to move into human resources to know that there are transition opportunities within human resources once they do make that transition. Yeah, I, I think that's correct again, dependent upon, you know, the kind of size of the uh, uh, organization and the size of the HR department. Um, but what you're talking about is something that, uh, that I have coached for 40 years, um, which is no one manages your career as well as you can manage your career. And so you, you can't wait around for, you know, someone to say, Bob, you know, I really think that you should be over here. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you need to know kind of where over here is at. And, and as Sheila did getting into it, you need to talk with people in terms of what it takes to, to do that kind of role. Uh, what am I missing? And, and start making those action steps so that when that opportunity is available, I'm the person that they're going to think about to, uh, to, to fill that role. That's, I think, being proactive in managing your career. That's true in HR, finance, actuarial yeah. science, engineering, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, true. You know, uh, Sheila, I have a quick question for you. So as someone that did move, um, and I know, I mean, you both moved from one um, area to HR, but Bob, Yours was such a different story. Sheila, you were, you were kind of on a mission to move. You, so how do you gain attention? And I, it's hard. It's hard right now, especially on LinkedIn no, or sure. any of these platforms. How do you gain attention from some of these top-level HR executives when you're not, you're not in that industry yet? Or you, they can clearly tell maybe that you're not, um, maybe have as much experience as them. I mean, what, what do you do to get their attention to really become friends with them and get some of their um, opinions and suggestions? What did you do? Um, well, I, again, I did have the benefit of having a friend, longtime friend who was a, sen who had a senior level executive. So that was a start. Obviously, he made some connections for me and those people made some connections for me. But another thing that I did, quite frankly, was um, reach out and begin uh, joining an area SHRM organization, so Fort Worth Human Resources. I actually visited several. This is just the one that is probably the best fit for me and closer. And not only that, I began volunteering. I'm actually on the Emerging Professional Committee there. And so the thing that's been beautiful about, um, that I've seen in this industry is that Bob, like you and I have talked about, people tend to get in because they like people. They do the same thing in real estate, and you're like, yeah, you're not going, people are going to be people, and <laughs> you're not going to enjoy them. You're not going to like all the people you meet. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So, um, but the thing that I found 
I was really pleasantly surprised about the human resource profession as a whole is that they they got in it because they like people and I found them to be very generous with themselves. They don't always have the time. I'm not saying you're going to reach out to a C-suite executive and you're going to be able to get their attention, but you might be able to. It's been really challenging during COVID. I was part of a mass uh, reduction in force. And so I was back in the job market again because my position was eliminated of many others. And, um, and this time it was, oh my, oh my, how do I do this transition? Because I really do the face-to-face -face thing very well. And I had taken a lot of people out for lunch and a lot of people out for coffee. And so I don't know how to do it during COVID. And I began literally shooting out on LinkedIn um, if there was any kind of connection. If obviously, if someone else can connect you, people are much more likely to talk to you. But I did reach out to some people, just LinkedIn messaging and say, hello, this is a shot in the dark. And I would just real briefly tell my story. Um, would you have 15 minutes to talk? And I've had some really neat conversations. Um, I've been very honoring of that 15 minute time commitment. I have someone who, I mean, it was, I, I've not met her and I feel like I know her very well. We spent probably a good 30 minutes on the phone. And I was really being respectful of her time and she was not rushing me off. Um, but I, I can't tell, here's what I, this was my strategy. One conversation has the potential to lead to another conversation. Because you ask that, I, I couldn't plan, just like we can't plan what next week is going to look like these days. I couldn't plan who I was going to be speaking with. I could have some targets and some ideas, but really it was the concept of, if I talk to this person and I ask them, who do you know that I should know? They were really generous to share with me. And I mean, there's also, how did you show up? How did you present yourself? Did you come across as someone that they could trust giving someone that they knew and liked, you know, the, the connection? And so that's a piece of it as well. That's true. I think that, I think that is so great counsel, Sheila, that um, um, in, in, in my kind of uh, uh, coaching uh, business that, uh, that I do, um, the one thing I have statistically proven to myself that People who make 20 contacts a week find jobs faster than people who make 10 contacts a week. People who make 30 contacts a week find jobs faster than people that made 20 contacts. And, and, you, just, and you just keep going. And as I tell uh, uh, individuals, you should never leave a conversation without saying, you know, Sheila, is there two or three other people that you think I should uh, um, you get in contact with, um, and hopefully you've had a good conversation so that they feel comfortable enough to give you those two or mm -hmm. three people. But it's it's that spider web of connections that's yeah. going to help you find that person that's going to say, you know, really I can I can train you in HR stuff. Mm -hmm. I can't train you in terms of having a positive can-do attitude having a good work ethic, having integrity, having passion, being a good teammate. Those, those things you either have or you don't have. I can, I can show you how to do um, a, a top hat benefit uh, plan um, that, uh, uh, or, or do some hay compensation. I can train you in all those kind of technical things, do the other things. And you'll, through that network, you'll find that 
that person that is willing to do that. I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, as far as speaking to the spider web of connection, just from what I've learned, I mean, I, I love networking. And, and the best thing to do, I found, is listen. A lot of people don't actually listen. They'll get that time from someone to have a conversation. Or even if they're just messaging with someone, they're not, a lot of times they're not actually paying attention to what you're saying or they're not fully listening to what you're saying. Like with Sheila, you mentioned your friends that you spoke on the phone with and you, you didn't really know her, but you felt like you knew her forever. A good way for me to meet that person would be, oh, I'd love to meet that person. Could you introduce? I mean, that's all people have to do is really listen to what you're saying. Bob, you mentioned the um, person on your podcast who moved from merchandising to HR. That comes back, I think, to listening. Someone needs to say, I would love to meet that person and hear their story or talk to them. And, and that's how you build that spider web of connection, at least from my experience. Just from Yeah, I, I'd agree. It's, it's difficult, though, when you think your first job is to sell yourself. When, when in reality, th that's, that's not necessarily your first job. Your first job is, is to establish a relationship, relationship. and a relationship has to be two-sided. And so right. you never make it two-sided if all you're doing is talking to yourself. That's true, um, so. that's true. And a lot of people do that, I, unfortunately. Um, any more pros, uh, pro tips for anyone? We're almost out of time, but I, I think that this will be very helpful. I know a lot of people right now during this pandemic are looking into making this transition to HR. It's something they've decided to do. Uh, they might have been laid off or really just started working from home and realizing, I don't really like what I'm doing as much as they, they thought they did. Any more? I don't have anything that just comes to mind. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything that comes to mind in regards to that right now. So um, my only thought is, is that being in transition is stressful and difficult enough. Mm -hmm. And then you add on it that you're going to be in transition to a different functional area. So you went from real estate to, to HR. So you layered another bunch of stress and difficulty and then you layer on top of that that we're doing this COVID time <laughs> all all difficult stuff right here's the one thing i do know and i believe this with every ounce in me there is a great position out there for everyone that is willing to do the work necessary to find that great position. I believe that. I've seen it time and time and time again. It won't necessarily come easy, but it's out there. And so don't, don't tell yourself, you know, I'm too old or I'm starting a, a different uh, industry or COVID or any of those other things. Those are all things you have to work through, but you can find that, that, that position. I believe it. Well said. Very well said. Yeah, I 100% agree. It, the, there's a great, great opportunity position fit for everyone. You just have to find it. So thank you so much for, I mean, both of you for coming on. I, you were fantastic and very helpful. 
and I learned a lot, even. So that's good. Even well, before. My, my pleasure, and, and I hope it comes across both for what Sheila's done already and what, what I've done. Um, this is an exciting uh, um, area, and uh, people that, uh, that get in it are fortunate, and, and they have a lot of really fun and interesting things that they're going to work on as their career unfolds. So I'm, I'm passionate about talking about it. Oh, I can tell. And that's good. It shows that that transition was a good transition for the both of you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Corey, for the opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Hi, everyone. So I have Sheila and Bob back with me. It's been a few months since we last spoke. And the reason we came back is I wanted to touch base and you know see from their you know, perspectives, how do they feel things have changed as far as transitioning into HR or transition in general. But a lot of people I know recently have decided to make that transition into HR because of the pandemic. It's made them kind of reevaluate what their careers are. Uh, Sheila, Bob, do you feel like it has become harder to do that or easier because of this pandemic? And especially the fact that now some places are in person, some are remote, but transitioning to a remote position in a new field. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that recently with all the changes that have been happening? Sheila, why don't you go first? You got some thoughts on that. <laughs> um, you know, you said the magic word, I think, Corey, and that's remote. And so, you know, not only would you be stepping into a, a role um, that's entirely new to you, but also that whole remote environment. And so some of the challenges, and many corporations have made that shift, but one of the challenges, how do we onboard? How do we onboard people? And so when you don't come in with a breadth of knowledge to pull from that specifically HR specific, it is a big challenge. And it's one of those things where I think you always have to sell yourself on the ability that I am capable of doing this and here is why. And I do think you can. I actually experienced that myself. I was remote onboarded. I took on an on, I took on a remote job and I contributed at a very high level. And it was right at the beginning of COVID. And so it is possible, yes, but you have to sell yourself um, as you often do whenever you're in that job, job search mode. Yeah, I, uh, I think of that question kind of in, in uh, uh, different parts. Uh, first of all, the, uh, the, re the recruiting portion of it, um, it, is, it is more difficult uh, to network today um, mm -hmm. because of, uh, of COVID than it was you know, uh, uh, 18 months ago. Um, and, and because you can't network, it, I think it is more difficult for you to get leads um, uh, for potential opportunities. Um, and then you go through the actual interview and, uh, and, and though I think many people are good at interviewing uh, uh, over Zoom or Skype or whatever, um, there is still a, a component missing in terms of it, um, uh, you know, the, the feel, the vibe, the, you know, chemistry, the call it whatever you want to, um, you know, you're going to miss that in, in the in the recruiting uh, process, um, and then and then as Sheila said, you know, even if you get hired, um, then it's the uh, the onboarding uh, portion of it. I've I've hired lots of people um, throughout this this last year, um, and have I think fairly successfully gone through the onboarding process. 
But I have to tell you, every single person <clears throat> that I have brought on board has shared that they feel guilty, which is really interesting if you think about that for just a moment, uh, you know, kind of where that emotion comes from. But they feel guilty because they don't think that they can perform, even if they're performing at a pretty high level, they don't think that they are performing at as high a level as what their potential allows them, uh, uh, would allow them to do. And therefore, they're not having the impact <clears throat> that they would like to have uh, uh, on the team, on the, on the organization. And that's what causes the, the guilt. So from an HR standpoint, that, uh, um, that requires us to kind of be aware of that, whether it is someone that's onboarding into an HR position or any position, I think, is, is that there's gonna be those emotions that those people feel, and we're gonna to have to, to uh, help deal with that. Does that make sense uh, uh, to you? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, oh, go ahead, Corey. Oh, go ahead, because I, I was going to ask something different. So finish. Okay. So two things, and I think, um, Bob, maybe one way that could be addressed is by managers, quite frankly, having consistent touch bases. Uh, maybe where you, if you did them as a manager once a month, maybe this is the season where you have those weekly or definitely biweekly. Good point. Because it gives you an opportunity, you know, there's nothing like sitting in your little, you see my little space here, sitting in that little space all day long, wondering what do they think of me? I have no feedback. I'm just sitting here plugging away at the work that's in front of me. And then I also want to add something because there has been a beauty that I've seen come out of this, this system, this um, out of COVID. And that's, I am finding, or I have found that people seem to be much more willing to network via LinkedIn with strangers than they did a year ago prior to COVID. And so yeah. I have really found a grace in that. Um, and if you can master that, I do think that it is a way to put your foot in the door in some way, shape or form. I, th I think you hit on something really important. And um, I, I do executive coaching and, and my, my clients are, are people who are in transition in between uh, jobs. And, um, and I'm seeing that, um, that if they push themselves quite frank, frankly, they can get even more networking done. Mm -hmm. And if you kind of look at why that is, uh, as opposed to my spending 20 minutes to go across town to meet someone in a coffee shop and they're gonna have to go you know, uh, 30 minutes from their location to that coffee shop, um, I can walk two steps to my computer and, um, and, and be with that person and, and they can do the same. And so just from a time saving standpoint, um, you know, networking can take place re relatively with relatively little investment in, in, in terms of time. So I, I agree with what, what, you're, what you're saying. One I thing find people, I find people very willing to, to agree to a 15 minute conversation. Yep. So, yes. Yep. And I think you both, I mean, you did hit the nail on the head there, Sheila. The, the thing that I'm you know, seeing a lot of is a lot of people want to transition right now because they're seeing that they don't love what they're doing as much. A lot of people are looking to transition into HR, but I think there's two parts of it. I mean, I, it sounds like, yeah, yes, because people are more willing to network with strangers, that getting your foot in the door is easier than it used to be. But then, like you mentioned, we run into that issue of, management isn't 
usually checking in as much as they maybe should be now. So then people get in the door, they make that transition, but are they sticking around? Because you can't expect for them to transition as easily in a pandemic remotely as they would have prior in person. So I feel like there's a conflict there. Do you feel that way, the two of you, that it's easier to get in the door, easier to make that transition, but it might be harder to actually smoothly transition and learn in that position because they may not be getting enough check-ins or they are remote. Sheila, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I can't speak to that because all I have is my personal experience. I mean, so I can speak to my personal experience and that was, you know, I was in a company that, uh, that had a great place to work certification mm -hmm. and I truly found it to be that. And I had the gift of being, I used the buddy system there. And so I was buddied up with someone and really had my hand held, even though it was across, you know, across um, calls and it was helpful and allowed me to do the things I needed to do. And then I also had, because of what they were in the middle of doing and preparing for, I had some time, downtime, because they weren't able to give me a whole bunch right away. Um, I had some downtime really to get to know the company electronically before I was just in their full force running, running hard. Sheila, real quick, sorry, Bob, but what I want to ask you specifically, I know you're in an industry where most people, I mean, everyone pretty much is in person mm -hmm. because you're in the food industry. Do you find that a lot of people are transitioning into your industry because they don't like working remote? Oh, I'm not seeing that um, where I am right now. Okay. I'm not seeing Good. that. Just came to mind. Yeah, I uh, uh, your two earlier points Corey, um, I'm not sure that it is easier right now to get any position. Bob. <laughs> um, you know, it is just, you know, economics being what they are. Um, and, and so, so I, I'm, I'm not sure that, uh, that, that I would support that, uh, that statement. Um, but I do think that Sheila is 100% correct as a as a manager of a team, um, I can't use the same um, techniques that I used when when I had people in the offices around me, um, and and so I had to pivot as well as a manager. Um, and um, if if the if the old adage that you can't over communicate if that was true before, it is really true now. Um, and, um, and, and so <clears throat> it is, uh, I think it is important for managers to understand kind of that change to, um, paradigm that they're, they're managing in. And I think it's important as well, as Sheila uh, just mentioned, for new employees to, to understand that it's different, um, that you are going to have to kind of learn the organization electronically. You are going to have to take more of an initiative uh, uh, on your own um, that, that, you know, part of that onus in terms of understanding the, uh, the organization uh, is, is going to be on you and, and you're going to make it happen or, or not. I think the really tough part comes in when you are trying to um, share with new employees, whether they be new HR employees or any new employees, 
you know, kind of what the culture is that, that, that I find is, is much more difficult. I can, I can show them all the policy and procedures and what's the protocol in terms of processing hops or, you know, whatever it is, I can do that even through zoom getting a feel in terms of that culture, I find to be a, a, a little bit more challenging. Sheila, thoughts on that? No, I think that that's very true. Um, it just doesn't come across in the same manner. It's like you said, there's a feel, there's a feel in person. Things smell different, things look different in person. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, also I feel like, I mean, I know the both of you transitioned into HR, but you did so prior to the pandemic. And it's from your stories that we talked about few months ago is you both had in-person experiences that gave you that mm -hmm. idea of what it would be like in HR. I mean, do you think looking back, I know it's a hard question to answer, but do you think looking back that you would have made the transition into HR if you had been in this remote environment and not just had that exposure in person and found that you liked it? Bob? I um, I think that's a very good question, and and I'm hard to answer. I know I'm, I'm not I'm not sure. You know, 100% in, in terms of it. I it just um, this is um, as as everyone knows is very unsettling times, um, and um, and and I think it's just much more difficult um, to have the same kind of line of sight in terms of where I wanted to be at. Um, because I had the benefit, and I think Sheila had a, a, a mentor and friend that, that she really called upon that gave her a lot of context and, and, and coaching and, and so forth. And I had, I had those uh, as well. And, and again, you know, you can get that through Zoom, but, but there's, I, I, I just don't think you have the same line of sight right now. And again, I think that's true HR. I think that's true in lots of different uh, uh, fields. I don't know, Sheila, what, what are your thoughts? Sure. And I didn't choose my field based on a feel that I had or in an environment. It was, like you said, I, I had a, an assessment that I took and narrowed it down um, significantly, you know, from 23 or so possible fits to human resources. And then I did go to someone afterwards and said, here's what I'm seeing. Um, tell me your thoughts. You, you know this field inside and out. Are you in agreement with this? And so all of that research and that decision was made prior to any kind of um, organization, me putting my, you know, my physical self into any sort of organization. So I don't think COVID would have made a difference. That's good. I, I'm noticing a lot that there seems to be two categories of people in transition during this pandemic. There seems to be people that have gone remote and they may not like it and they're looking for a different job or position or career where they will not have to be remote because they don't like doing it. And then there's people that really love it and they're looking for a position or career where they can for the long term be remote. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you find that that's going to be difficult on HR? Uh, because that's a lot of transition going on, no matter the industry. And you're going to have, I mean, it sounds, it seems to me like there's a lot of people where that is kind of their top priority is working remote or not working remote right now, or in, in the future in general, because they've now gotten that experience and they either love it or hate it. Yeah, I think that there are certain types of HR uh, positions where that remote works. 
um, you know, you, and I know that Sheila never wants to do this, but you can be a talent acquisition person and you can be on a mountain in, uh, you know, at Aspen if you want to, and you can do that uh, effectively. Um, but there are other positions within the, uh, the HR suite of, uh, of roles that I, that I think you have to be present. I think you, again, have to feel you know, the, the temperature, the heartbeat, what's going on, what are you hearing, what's the backstory? And, um, and again, I think that's very difficult unless you're, unless you're there. And it's going to be compounded though, <laughs> because other function areas are going to have that blended, some working from home, some working right. uh, in, in, the, in the offices. And, uh, and I think it's going to cause it to be more difficult to, to really get that sense of what's going on. We're, we're doing, uh, I'm doing much more uh, little mini blast surveys um, right now than I have ever done just to help kind of fill in that, that information gap. That's smart. As far as how your employees are, are doing? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how are you feeling? Are you engaged? How's your mental well-being? what's working for you, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Sheila, how do you gather that type of feedback in your environment? Because I, I would assume I could be wrong that maybe virtual communication is not as easy in your environment. We have, I mean, we don't have virtual communication. We don't have need for it because we are hands-on essential business. Right. And um, we, I mean, we do gather that feedback and it's in the form of smiley faces, uh, quite frankly, at the end of a shift. So um you know, between that and quite honestly, just gauging the temperature of, of our environment while we are there on a daily basis, that's how we gather that information. I want to speak to something because I do believe that when we, before we had talked about the power of volunteering mm -hmm. and, you know, again, you're looking to transition. How do I make myself seen? How do I get myself out there? And one of the things that we talked about was um, a local SHRM type organization. And I was on a pretty neat call, a conference actually last week, and it was uh, Fort Worth HR based. And he was talking about, and this was a past president of Fort Worth HR. And he specifically was talking about his, you know, his entire experience and his journey getting into that space and then transitioning out of that role as well as a full-time working pro professional. But I, I want to share because I think it's still such a, a neat way to become involved in the industry, to get to know people and really network people. Pe network with people who know about jobs out there. But one of the things that was said was, you know, if you volunteer, then, um, and, and you would do this for free, and I see you working in this capacity for free, how much more so when I'm willing to pay you? Um, when, when you're going to get paid, how much more so of a good worker would you be? And I began to understand why people, once I joined Fort Worth HR, I had people, and I, I did, I stepped in and how can I serve you volunteer type role as quickly as I could, even though it was virtual. Um, and I couldn't believe the, the jobs that people were sending uh, to me and willing to connect me. And I didn't, I didn't understand the reasoning why. So I want to just plug that back in there, especially COVID right now. I mean, outside of COVID, yes, but especially with COVID, it's really a good way to be seen and heard in the industry. Yeah, I think you raise such an important point, uh, Sheila. Um, 
I uh, have a, a podcast, People in Transition, and um, in my last uh, guest, we were talking about this very subject, uh, and she was uh, um, 20 years an executive search person, uh, both in search companies as well as working for Google in their executive search uh, uh, inside. And we were talking about, you know, kind of organizations um, and to be a part of. And, and, um, and, and she said, you know, all of the things that you just described, you know, comes back to you tenfold in terms of the networking, the leads and so forth. Um, but she raised a really interesting point, one that I hadn't thought of. And, and especially when you are in transition, um, your, your own personal goodwill bucket is pretty empty. You're not, you're not generally feeling really good uh, about it. And, um, and that oftentimes plays out when you're in an interview. And, uh, and she said, I, I can absolutely tell you, given my 20 years of experience, I can point to the candidates that did things in SHRM or the CPA Society or Rotary or you know whatever. I can point to the ones that uh, was involved with that, and those will be the same ones that are generally interviewing better for those positions because they go in feeling good about themselves, feeling you know that they that they continue to be a, a contributor um, and and. That they have value and i never really thought of that before but it's another real good reason from my standpoint why you want to be a part of those organizations so that's a good point and and especially right now i think that is the best way to gain some sort of confidence and experience in the industry if you're looking to transition because it's very difficult to gain just ex work experience in a tra transitional period in your life in a pandemic because in a pandemic, I do feel like since everything is, it's remote and truthfully, I think a lot of businesses right now are going to look to hire people with experience versus people who do not have experience in that specific role. And I think that's the best way to get some sort of, you know, claim to fame or experience in a certain industry or area right now. And, and you don't, you don't need a approval. You can just you know, volunteer and join those groups. So I think that's a great, great suggestion. So what, uh, uh, Sheila, what, what are you thinking um, in terms of kind of normal state? Um, you know, whenever that is, um, do you see the entire HR field changing in some way? Do you think that, um, uh, that the workplace uh, will change in some way? What, what's your prediction at, at this point in time when we get kind of on the other side of this? Sure. I, what I would anticipate, Corey, Bob, is that, I mean, business, business will have changed um, because we've learned that we can operate and operate well in a virtual world. I do anticipate that those businesses that can will have more options, work options. You know, would you prefer to work from home five days a week, four days a week, three days a week, one day a week? I think the real estate industry, commercial real estate industry is 
you know, it's already obviously been greatly impacted by this, but even more so as those organizations and large organizations downsize their physical spaces. So I think in some ways it's going to be beautiful for the employee really to have some options in their lives. Obviously some of those, some of those, it's just not even an option, you know, and I'll say some of those essential businesses, if you're in an essential industry, you're probably still going to be in the office. It's probably going to look very similar to what it has. Um, but those that aren't, I think that there will be more options. Yeah, and I think that the the really exciting thing is, is that um, I think the whole human resource function is going to be at the nucleus of many of these new pictures of what the, uh, the workplace looks like. Um, because I think even though I am a part of an essential business, um, you know, many of our workers though, uh, are working from home. Many of them are still in the, in, in the office, but many are working from home. And heretofore, many organizations never thought that they could function like that. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden they go, oh my goodness, we can. And, um, and, and so how does, again, how does that look? How do you hire someone that is going to have that ability to maybe sometimes work from home, sometimes work uh, in the office? How do you communicate effectively? How do you compensate those, uh, those piece, people? How do you make certain that their insurance packages are meeting the new needs? I mean, there, there's not an HR function that is not gonna to be touched by what we've gone through and, and where we're gonna to go to. So my commercial here is, is that uh, if you've ever been thinking about uh, getting into human resources, you know, the, the next uh, five years is gonna be the time you should do it because I think it's gonna be a, a very exciting time. Thank you.